The Leafs respond in Calgary. Marner was magnificent, but it is the NHL trade deadline. Does Dubas have one more deal up his sleeve? We're mere hours away, Dave. Only hours away from finding out. Let's talk about it and break today's game down on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the March 3rd edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, a.k.a. Al's brother from TSN 1050, Toronto Radio, Overdrive, and Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morsuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Lockdown Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast where uh, you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast from. You can also find us up on YouTube as well. We have new content coming out each and every week weekday uh big big response here dave big time response after that stinker in edmonton at uh, least take it two to one over the calgary flames it, it did start promising I'll, I'll say that a little bit of a sleepy first half of the game but then they woke up in the second half and, and i felt that toronto really took control of that one and pulled out the victory yeah and you notice who was the one leading the charge in Toronto getting things going. It was the top line. Justin Hall. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, the top line. Justin and- Hall was there too somewhere, you know, making yeah. make, making contributions. But yeah, no, it was Marner. It was Matthews. It was Bunting. Like that line was the straw that stirred the drink of this game, especially Mitch Marner. When Mitch Marner has his like Mountain Dew moments is what I like to call it. Where- Mountain Dew? Yeah, where he just just the Mountain Dew is flowing and he's just uh, he had like the little extra pep in his step tonight. Right. Like, you know, he he gets those moments where he makes that extra move and, you know, makes the defenders look silly like that happened on the goal that he scored. That's the type of performance you're going to need from your stars night in and night out. And that's why the Leafs came away with the with this victory tonight. Yeah, he was so good tonight. He really, really was. Like in the in the later half of that game, especially like once he got dancing, he he really looked good. Like looked off Matthews. Know what it looked like to me? It actually looked as though, like because he hasn't been shooting a lot this year, he's been just passing it off. Like teams know that. Like that's the pre scout. And you saw Matthews looking for that puck when he scored his goal, and he had the one time ready, locked and loaded, and was just waiting for the puck. And Marner, I think smartly so, looked him off when he noticed that Markstrom, it seemed as though Markstrom was starting to cheat already to get ready for the one-timer from Matthews. And by doing that, he kind of gave him the five-hole when he went to go and reset his feet. And Marner, very smartly, high IQ play, once again, realized that and just puts it five-hole and says, sure, I'll take that goal, no problem. And, uh, you know, from there on out, he just, anytime he had the puck, he was, he was putting on goal. Like, he wasn't passing tonight. He was just taking shots on net. Ended up with eight shots tonight. Eight shots on goal for uh, for Marner. He had the one in the third period, too, where he was, like, along the wall, spun off, and then cut to the middle of the ice and had great patience, but a, a really good stop, I guess, by Markstrom. But uh, he, he could have had a, a couple of goals tonight. He really could have. Um, he was truly phenomenal. 
No, he was. Uh, deservedly the first star of the game in this one. And yeah, when when he like this is why like when when I know a lot of people didn't like the idea of Marner going back with Matthews, but when Matt when Marner is playing like this, it just that's when that that trio that's when that that combo works. Right when both of them seem disengaged and uninterested, like they did against Edmonton, it's terrible. Like you just don't even want to see those two play with each other. So now, hopefully, this is something that Sheldon Keefe can say. All right, this is something we got to see more of, guys. Let's continue with this. This is obviously a good step after you know, after you kind of you th- you you forget about what happened against. Well, you don't forget about what happened against Edmonton because you saw it tonight there was definitely more purpose and that's why that duel can be so lethal yeah yeah and they were so they had they had a response tonight uh pretty well most most people did have a response as well and you'll notice too like i in the third period they put on a a defensive clinic like they didn't really give uh calgary much of anything right to to come back into that game once toronto got the lead they kind of just played really sound stubborn hockey defensive hockey and You'll notice who was out there a lot late, right? Yeah. You see, Justin G- Hall. Yeah, no, Justin Hall. Justin Hall was out there. He he finished the game out on the ice, and you know I know we 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 bagged on him pretty good yesterday, and it, it was a terrible performance against Edmonton. There's no you know there's no ifs ands or buts about it, and, he, and he's had some stinkers, but he's always been very up and down. He's been pretty streaky. And I thought that he he also responded and elevated his game. He knew he played like garbage yesterday, so I thought that he did. And 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 clearly, like we've been we've been talking about how much and for what reason I don't know. Um, did this this coaching staff trust and and likes Justin Hall and why I just don't see him getting dealt uh, at, at by three p.m. And it's reasons like that, right? If you plan on dealing that guy away, you probably would have other players in that situation to see, you know, if they sink or swim, trying to hold down the lead in the final 30 seconds when the opposition has their net empty. But instead, you say, no, we trust and we believe in Justin Hall, and he can get it done, and that's who they shove out there. So we got to give him some flowers. You know, was it a perfect game? No. But uh, I think he had, what, three hits, three blocks. It was a big block that he had on on Kadri that, you know, could have been the tying goal midway through the third period, right? There's what, like, Seven, eight minutes left in that game. Big time block there. That could have been the tie, and who knows what happens. So he 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 had another bounce back too. Um, pretty well, everybody had a good bounce back performance. Yeah, and that that's the type of style of play you're going to need if you're going to want to be successful in the playoffs, right? This was a playoff style game, tight game. You know, ho- trying to hold that lead in the third period. That's what the, that's the way they're going to have to play. You know, obviously with Justin Hall, you. We just haven't seen it enough consistently, but it's a performance like that that you know makes us realize why Sheldon Keith puts him in those situations more so than not, and why Timothy Lilligren was scratched <laughs> like for this game. Yeah, that was um, I like. Pro- was that a surprise to you when you saw that uh, get get leaked out there? When you saw it kind of filter through the media that. It was going to be Lilligren who was scratched. They were going to go eleven and seven, and Lily was going to be the the odd man out. Yeah, it didn't surprise me. Didn't just it, he's usually the one. If like they're doing something like that, where they're bringing in new guys, it's usually Lilligren 
or Sandine at that point when he was with the team. Those are the guys that were being scratched. So it didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, um, I think so, too, because he, he also had a bit of a tough night last night as, as well. Like he, there was not many who had good nights, I suppose. Um, all right, let's take one quick break. When we get back, let's let's get into uh, we'll keep breaking down the game. And and, and I want to get your thoughts on the new guys. We saw Luke Shen and Eric Gustafson both make their debuts. So we'll chat about uh, those guys. We'll give her three stars of the night. And then we'll get into uh, the NHL trade deadline. It's it's deadline day. Let's see who the top targets are out there. And if we think the Maple Leafs are done, or is there one more move left to be made? So we'll chat about all of that and more on the other side. But first, I want to tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors. It's our favorite. It's Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. and I know that my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. So if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't really want to compromise taste, then man, you got to try this thing. Like, you got to try the Built Bar. It's 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 healthy. It's tasty. They're so delicious. You won't even know that they're good for you. It's perfect for that New Year's resolution. And what makes Built Bar so good is that they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm really not sure how they do it. They're 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 they taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. Uh, and what's even better is that they are extremely good for you. They're healthy alternatives. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you no longer need to wait around for a box. For years, we've been telling you guys, go order your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or your Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk into the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up. Four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whichever you prefer. Uh, Built Bar is one of our favorites. Uh, it's a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKDOWN15. I'll get 50% off your next order. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs Toronto with a 2-1 to win over the Calgary Flames and saw a couple of newbies make their debuts today. One for the first time and one for the, well, first time, but in nearly 4,000 days. And uh, let's start with, with Luke Shen. Your thoughts on Luke Shen's performance tonight. Well, I'm just going to pull up something while I talk about Luke Shen because. Oh, he got the belt. He sure got, got the belt. belt. He's got the passion. What I a, love what a it, tweet. Dave. Bravo from the Leafs Twitter account. He's got the passion and it's spelled S-C-H-E-N-N. It, yeah. it was great. Um, it was. It took a little bit of time to get used to seeing Luke Shen back in a Leafs jersey, I will say. But, really? I, I saw it and I was like, that just looks right. It oh, just, it just, it just oh, it looks definitely right. looks right, for sure. Um, what I liked most about Luke Shen's game tonight was I wanted to see how he was going to play guys in front of the net because it was just a breath of fresh air to see him. You know, if any guy was getting to the net, he was tying them up. He was making sure they weren't going to be getting those loose pucks in front of the net. I think it was... Was it Hugh? Who was in front of the Nets? I think it was Huberto. He that the puck was sitting under him, and Shen was just pushing him down to the ground, like things like that. We haven't seen a lot of, and that's like Luke Shen knows exactly what he needs to be for this team. 
He had four hits in this game. I think he had four block shots as well, or a couple of block shots. So, yeah, I mean, is, he did exactly what I expected Luke Shen to do, and he wasn't on the ice for a goal against. That's pretty pretty decent uh, return, if I may say so myself. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he. We know what Luke Shen's all about in this market, right? We know what he's going to bring to the team. It's not going to be a goal scoring prowess. He's not going to go coast to coast on you and go legend mode and and you know pretend that he's Kale McCarr. But he is going to play a stout defensive game. He's going to go into the dirty air. He's going to win you some puck battles. He's going to win you some battles in front of the net. He's going to allow Joseph Wall to see pucks coming in from the point and to see pucks coming in from the dots. And that's exactly what he did. I thought that he also had a a pretty tidy game. Uh, You know, I didn't think that he got exposed at all. There wasn't really many instances I'm trying to remember where I'm like, ooh, he got beat bad. The other guy, however, uh, there was one big glaring mistake for uh, Eric Gustafson, which led to the lone goal against for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, good on good on him for getting some power play time in his very first game with the Maple Leafs. However, your first shift, you don't settle a puck; it goes past you, and you can't quite catch up to Coleman. And but Coleman's got some wheels there, and uh, he makes it one nothing. You're a dash one your first shift. Uh, shorthanded goal you're giving up that's 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 not a, an overly great start for uh, for Eric Gustafson yeah that wasn't uh that wasn't exactly what I was looking for from Eric Gustafson and it yeah I just couldn't have asked for a more brutal situation for him to be put in like in terms of him turning the puck over and you know it's uh Blake Coleman well, it's a pretty favorable situation, Dave. Well, for him, first shift, go play. on the power play. Yeah. Your first shift is on the power play where there's five men on the ice going up against four. It's a, it's a pretty favorable position here. Well, it's favorable for him, but it wasn't favorable in terms of what ended up happening, I'll say. Well, that's that's on him. But, yeah, it, I mean, it, I knew with the 11-7 and seven setup that they were going to go with tonight, I was like, I don't know if I really like like that idea. I understand they want to get Gustafson in, but yeah, like, you, uh, I don't, you don't expect this going forward much, no, do you? No, not I don't think so. I think they just want to give see what Gustafson can do in those situations. Like, it wasn't even like he was getting first power play opportunities other, and I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, I've just found it odd that he was put into this game like this. Like no one was going to be given a night off or anything like that. So. Yeah, I, I I just never liked the eleven to seven because the guys aren't able to get on the ice as consistently, so they can you know get some sort of rhythm or momentum in the in and how they're playing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I didn't really. I, I looked when he was on the ice and who he was playing with. I think he was playing mostly with Morgan Riley tonight. I, I he's just a guy that was just out there. didn't really like, there wasn't really much for me to really say. Yeah. He's definitely a guy that I want to see in playing in the playoffs. Like, I I mean, one game, I'm not going to totally say he's a bust of a, of a player, but it's just, there was not a lot to really be happy about. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not going to factor into this team's top six. Like when, when they're healthy, he's not going to be like you mentioned, he's not going to be out there. Um, playing a whole lot, but in a pinch, if, if injuries occur, um, you know, and then, or they need somebody they need a little bit more offense, you know, he is somebody who can move the puck. Like 
talking about a former 60 point guy, a guy who has 38 points on the season. Like that's, that's, I think that's second most of all defensemen, maybe even the most of all defensemen on this team. <laughs> like I, I, he can provide offense. He does have, he can establish a role, but it's going to be a, a, a depth role. Um, but to your answer, yeah, he played most with Morgan Riley, seven minutes of ice time with Morgan Riley, and then a couple minutes with Luke Shen. That was pretty much it. So he he and Mo were kind of just the just essentially alternating shifts with 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 uh, or him and Shen, yeah, alternating shifts with with Morgan Riley. All right, um, quickly, let's get to our three stars, and then we can kind of tee up a little bit of um, trade deadline later today. Uh, tell me your 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 third star of tonight's game, Dave. I'm gonna give it to Joseph Wolf. Love it. Yeah, I mean he's. He hasn't played a lot, and you know, yeah, first goal of the game. You're he. It wasn't a goal I expect him to save. He just he bit a little hard on the Blake Coleman on the Blake Coleman attempt, but I thought he settled in quite nicely. Um, you know, yeah, the Kadri goal. He was a little fortunate that it got called back, but other than that, like he made the saves he needed to. I that third period they made it very very easy on him. Uh, so that's what you like to see. That's how you're supposed to play in front of your rookie goaltender. So I do appreciate that. And I, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about whether the Leafs can trust Joseph Wall to be that third goaltender. I'm sure there he's probably, well, actually he hasn't seen it cause he doesn't have any social media. He's a very, very smart man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like Joseph's wall game tonight. There wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't like, ah, I don't want to see this guy in the net ever again. There weren't those moments for me. Yeah, which which, thank God, because if he went out and he had a stinker and he gave up four or five goals tonight, the chatter that would have been out there about needing to get a goaltender tomorrow, like that would have been very, very loud if he would have sucked. But he had a great game, and uh, I had him as my second star, actually. I thought that he was solid tonight. And um, my third star, though, and this is only because I'm cheating, I'm giving it to the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole, as a team, in the third period. I thought That's that the, <laughs> I, the, 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 yeah, like I, I, I took cheating to a whole nother level. I went full steroids. I went full Sammy Sosa. Let's give it to the whole team in one period. The whole team in the third period, Dave. That was a clinic that they put on in that third period, right? Like they got, they they controlled. Um, it was a defensive clinic to hold the lead once they got it. They had seventy five percent of the expected goals. I just sent you a tweet. I want to show you a graph by uh, by I think Shana Goldman of the Athletic. She tweeted this out. Um, Good work by the Maple Leafs to really limit quality chances against at even strength in the third period. So on the left are the amount are the the chances that. Uh, were allowed by the Maple Leafs, and you could see nothing inside, nothing in tight, only one shot really in the slot. Um, and I even think, like, is that a missed shot? What's the uh, plus mean? I can't read it on your screen, to be honest. So I think the pluses are, oh, the plus mean miss. Miss. So, yeah, it was a missed shot, exactly. So no slot shots in the third period. There was nothing in tight, nothing really close. Meanwhile, you look to the right, on the other rank, that's Toronto. That is what the Maple Leafs did. Look how how many shots in tight, close to the net, good high, great chances 
and opportunities that Toronto had in the third period against Markstrom. Like, look at the difference between those two charts. That's a difference where you're doing a really good job defensively. You're not allowing anything against your goaltender, and you're making it hard for the opposition's goalie. Honestly, if it wasn't for Markstrom, that probably could have been a 4-1 four, hockey game by the end of the night, and, and he kept a minute for as long as he could. Um, well, he kept them in at the whole game. I guess it finished a, a one-goal game. Uh, but fortunately for the Maple Leafs, they made sure that Calgary didn't get the game-tying goal. They said, no, nah, we're going to shut it down. And, and I thought they did an exceptional job. Uh, and, and again, it was Justin Hall who was out there. You know, TJ Brody, Jake McCabe was out there late in game situations, right? You had the you know, David Camp and, and, and Ryan O'Reilly bringing him in, playing those late-game situations, right? So those are the players that they brought in, and, and, and I thought that everybody as a whole tonight really bought in, had an excellent third period offensively, defensively, in the neutral zone, all three phases. It was uh, it was really, you know, great sight to see. So I just wanted to, I guess, give it to the whole team for the third period. Doesn't get a first or second star because it was only one period, and it was the third period, so they get the third star. Yeah, I was going to give the the duel of Jay McCabe and TJ Brody my second star for the very exact reason that you stated for the whole darn team in the third period. Um, I, I thought they were pretty good. You know, they, you know, it's, it's a luxury to be able to have those two guys as your shutdown pairing. Um, and I wonder if this is something like if that's going to be, if that's now like, you know, written in pen instead of pencil for Sheldon Keith. I personally think he's going to probably try some other things, but yeah, he, like, he'll still tinker. He'll still tinker. I still, I, I really like what that duel brings. Um, that's, that's the type of pairing that, that, that reminds me a lot of the Jake Muzzin, um, TJ Brody pairing from the playoffs against Tampa last year. Yeah. And that's what they brought McCabe in to be is that Muzzin replacement. So the writing should have been on the wall that this is the pairing we expected to see and probably what Sheldon Keefe and, and Kyle Dubas envisioned. And uh, so far, you know, uh, well, I guess the, the first game against Edmonton, it, you know, it's a wash. We'll remember that. But in the game, the follow-up game, the response game, pretty, pretty good, I would say, out of, uh, out of those two. So well-deserved second star, I believe, for that pairing, which leaves us uh, to the first star. And I believe that would be one Mitchell Marner. Yep. And I'll, I'll even piggyback Austin Matthews with Mitch Marner there because I think Austin Matthews deserved a couple of goals in this game. You know, there was one, you know, where he made the like a wraparound move and tight on Marshall when he made a great save. Like Marshall made some pretty key. Like you said, it could have been a four. I think it could have been even more than that with the way that Marshall was playing just on Austin Matthews. Yeah. Matthews also had eight shots on net. We haven't really seen that in a long time from Austin Matthews. I can't remember the last time I'd seen him have eight shots on goal. This was after I after we ripped him, you know, deservingly so for his play against Edmonton. We saw the Austin Matthews that was that we know he can be against uh, Calgary in this you one. Know the yeah, you know what a big difference is skating, skating just, and getting to the net, going right to the net. Well, just not even that. Like legitimately, he's just like he's he's skating, and it's not even when he has the puck. It's more so like without the puck. He's getting open. He's finding open ice. Whereas I find games where he's not doing anything, he's perimeter and he's just kind of staying stagnant and he's looking for a lane while being stagnant. 
as opposed to trying to find his own lanes or to, you know, skate and float and float into some sort of open ice and lose people, disguise himself within uh, the the minutia of what's going on on the ice. Hasn't done that a whole lot, especially in the games where he's quiet. Um, but a game like tonight, you know, you see him moving those boots a lot. He's getting open and he's getting shots off. And you're right, he had a couple of really good looks and uh, pr- probably should have had at least a goal tonight. But um, either way, it was, it was a good sign and uh, good to see those guys in particular, the big boys, the guys we know need to be that good come playoff time or it doesn't matter who the hell Kyle Dubas adds at the deadline. If those guys aren't playing as well as they did tonight and they play the same way they did yesterday, this team's got no shot. So it's good to see the response after kind of being uh, challenged in a way after that game last night, like we heard Sheldon Keefe say they played purposeless and played without purpose or intelligence. They played with purpose specifically in that third period. And they did a lot more intelligent things with the puck. That's for sure. And not just that and really everybody, um, but those two in particular, and especially I would say Mitch Marner, dude was dancing tonight, just dancing. Yeah. Good to see. Uh, all right, let's take one more quick break here, Dave. It is trade deadline day officially by the time everyone's listening to this. And um, I don't know how busy of a day it's going to be, but there are some names that are still out there. So why don't we take a look at at, uh, at the trade bait board and we could see who's still out there, who still needs to do something, and is Kyle Dubas going to be active? What are the options for the Maple Leafs in the next few hours here? So I'll have that chat on the other side. But first, a word from one of our show sponsors. Yep. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs much faster. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is hiring is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so, so easy. They make it so easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide, and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Join the more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked on offer valid through March 31st. Again, that is indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. It's Mike DeStefano and Dave Morasuti. Dave, it's one of my favorite days of the year. It's one where when I was a kid in high school, I used to literally play hooky and just stay up and watch TSN Trade Center all day long. Like that was, this is one of my favorites today and free agent frenzy and the draft. Those are my three favorite days on the hockey calendar. It legitimately is. I suppose you could say the day the Stanley cup gets handed out is also up there, 
But like off the ice, those days I get so jazzed up and, and giddy about it, which is why ultimately like the last couple of weeks have been fantastic. I think the number is since Ryan O'Reilly trade, uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade went down back two weeks ago, two weeks today, Friday, there have been 40 trades since then. 40 trades around the NHL, and we still haven't gotten to the frenzy that we typically occurs in the final hour, two hours leading up until the deadline. Within the two-week span, we could we could potentially see like a 50-trade, 55-60 trade deadline, which is we've never seen that before. And it's not just the amount of trades, it's the amount of of quality pieces that are being thrown around. Like Toronto went out and got six players, including Ryan O'Reilly, a former Con Smythe winner. Patrick Kane got traded away. Like there's just so many good players. You got a captain in Bo Horvat who was dealt, you know, early in the process, but he got dealt. Right, you've got Dmitry Orlov who got traded. There's just so many good players. Chickren finally got uh, got moved. Jonathan Quick got like so many big time stars and talent that uh, that have been dealt over the last couple of weeks. It's it's really been a lot of fun being a hockey fan and um, experiencing this NHL trade deadline. I, I've I've really really truly enjoyed these last couple of weeks as a hockey fan. I'm sure you're the same in the same boat. Yeah, I think what makes this year's trade deadline that much more different than past ones, and I know everyone says, oh, the trade deadline gets so overhyped and the network spent six hours. Look, yeah, six hours is a long time to spend on one singular event. I get it. But this year especially, it's the teams that decided, you know what, we're going to be sellers. Like the Washington Capitals becoming sellers changed the dynamic of this trade deadline. Detroit. Detroit now becoming sellers like they weren't sellers. Probably if you asked anyone two, three weeks ago, they didn't see the Detroit Red Wings as sellers going into this deadline. And you know what? We might see more teams just decide, you know what? It's not our year. Let's just try to get whatever assets are out there. And look, there's a whole conference of teams in the West that have done diddly squat uh, in comparison to the East. So I'm anticipating that some teams are now going to, you know, they got a good good gauge of what prices are like. Unfortunately, they missed out on a lot of the big fishes. Yeah. But I still think you're going to see a flurry of moves just because there are teams that if by the end of the year they missed out on making any additions, they're going to look quite foolish when playoff time comes around and, you know, holes that could have been filled start to open up. Yeah, and, and just knowing how many guys were out there and available that you could have went and got um before we get into you know what we think the Leafs might do and, and some of the guys out there on the market uh, that that are still there that haven't been dealt and there's still some names there's still a lot of names out there that could uh, that could be traded by 3 p.m um which team that hasn't made a move yet do you think is is most pressured to do something between now and 3 p.m oh that's a really good question um yeah yeah i i think like i still think the hurricanes are a team that haven't really done like they haven't really done what i expected them to do and they i think they still have some cap space to work with and like you know we hear so many years they're such a good team they're such a good team and yet they haven't been able to reach the cup final like that's the team that everyone expects to reach the cup final every year and they always fall short somehow 
that's a team I think that's going to make some, that's going to be making some moves, at least in the Eastern Conference. In the West, it's really tough to gauge because the Stars kind of made a move with Max Domi. I wonder if the Avalanche try something because they're, they're they right in the thick Lars Eller, but. Yeah, I mean, Lars Eller is kind of, yeah, he, he he fills a hole, but I think there's more maybe potentially they could look at doing. But, yeah, I would say Carolina is my team that I'm going to be watching, going to be having a close eye on uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I think I also, I, I, Carolina is a team that I think should do something just because everyone else in the East who we fully expect to be serious contenders have gone out and made their team better. Like if they, if they can get and a name that I'm kind of looking at and I don't it's a lot of money left on that ticket but a name that I am looking at for Carolina that I think could be out there I'm trying to see where he's at on the TSN trade bait board because I'm pretty sure I've seen him there before unless he's been taken out he may have been taken off the board here which actually would be hilarious because he's someone who I think actually would be an interesting fit there I was thinking of Kevin Hayes who isn't there. But there's another guy who's actually recently gotten added to the board. Nick Schmaltz would be an interesting piece for me, right? He's a guy who can play center. He can play wing. He's got that versatility. And he can, you know, give you a little bit of offense at some point um, through the just that secondary offense in behind Ajo. So Nick Schmaltz, to me, would be a, a nice addition if if Carolina want to go there. He's got some term left on his deal. He's got what, three years at 5.85. That's something that probably is workable for them. He's got 42 points in 45 games this year. So he's almost a point-per-game player playing for a uh, garbage Arizona Coyotes franchise. And boy, do I ever mean garbage. I don't know if you heard my rant today on uh, on Leafs Lunch, but boy, did I ever go off on that franchise. And uh, that's, that's a conversation we can have mm-hmm. on another day. Today is not that day, but boy, is that franchise a joke. Anyway. Um, so yeah, Carolina, I think we're both in, in agreement that that's a team that, uh, that probably should still go out and make an addition. Vegas will be an interesting team. They always roll the dice. They brought in John quick, but I still think they probably would like to add like another guy potentially maybe, you know, forward, I would think, um, somebody could provide just a little bit more offense for them, you know? So that's, uh, those are two teams who I'm kind of looking at to do something. Um, as for the Maple Leafs, Dave, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they've already made five moves in the span of two weeks here. Six new players have come to this team Two, technically only two roster players, like five, maybe organization players who want to include like Gogolev and uh, Godette. And anyways, two roster players have left this team. If I had to, uh, if you had to handicap it and give me give me odds in a percentage, the odds that there is still one trade to be made, including a current roster player, between now and three p.m. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go thirty percent chance. So you think there's seventy percent chance Kyle Dubas is done? I think so. I like I just don't unless there's a player I don't see on any board on trade bait boards 
there's not a name that screams out that Kyle should be going and zeroing on them. I just don't, I don't really see it, but Hey, I wasn't expecting some of the moves that Kyle Dubas has made the last few days. So, um, I, I, yeah, I just, right now, I don't see a player that screams to me that Kyle Dubas is all in to go and acquire. So that's why I think it's, it seems a little unlikely, but Hey, you never know. An interesting name for me. I don't know how in on this deal I would be, but an interesting name is Connor Garland in Vancouver. Like if they could get one more top six forward and that would allow them to be three deep down the middle with O'Reilly and, and maybe get a little bit of an upgrade on, uh, on Callie Ermcroc. Maybe you could do that. Jacob Verana potentially, uh, you know, if, if Detroit's, fire sailing we already know that he was like there's that there was that situation earlier in the year when he went through the program it's placed on waivers i would think it wouldn't be expensive to get him and maybe detroit would even be willing to retain a little bit of money but you get a guy who is like a 30 goal scorer in the league you can get him cheap maybe that's a player that you look into if you can create that type of space um that said i i don't anticipate either of those moves coming um, I, I think if there's anything, maybe it's only trading away one of these defensemen that's here currently for uh, for a depth or not even trade for probably like just a pick, recuperate a pick potentially. That said, though, I'm not sure if you heard this on the broadcast. This is actually I'll be completely honest. This was not a rule that I knew, actually, but starting tonight at midnight. So as of right now. There's actually no roster limit. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. It's just the cap. So they don't have to send down somebody if they tr- bring someone in. And they do technically have 928 grand. Even when they activate Matt Murray, they'll have 928,000. So you could do one of two things with that money. You could use that to sign Nyes. Or you could use that to go and sign somebody. And then when you sign Nyes, or to trade for someone, you get depth forward. And then when you sign Nyes, you can just send down one of those defensemen because there's no reason to carry nine D-men because that's just going to – honestly, I think that's just going to make – either someone's going to sit around and just not play ever, and it'll be a whole other free Frankie situation going on with one of these guys, or – you know, or you just send some one of them down or you trade one of them at the, at, at, you know, by the deadline and just get like a pick back or something. See, I knew about the Ross rule because way back when the Leafs were not competing for the playoffs, uh, right. Like literally right after the trade deadline, they brought up a bunch of their young Marley players. I think yeah, it was I, I one of I them. I just kind of forgot. Like yeah. it's just, it just for somebody who spends so much time on cap friendly, I always it's like twenty three man roster, twenty three man roster. Yeah. Got to be have a twenty three man roster, no more. Got to send someone down. I did. I forgot. I suppose that uh, that's no longer the case. Come today, as of midnight on trade deadline day, and then it's actually just you can have a billion players as long as you're under the cap. Yeah. So. I think yeah, I th- I think they might be, and you also have to think of the contract, how many contracts you have too, based on when you're adding players. But I mean, that's why you can also try to trade away one of the 
one well, of the many defensemen now you have on the roster. They have 49 contracts. You're yeah. allowed to have 50. So that one spot seems if they want to bring in Matthew Nyes, that's his that that's that one slot. But the, you know, again, you brought up the, the fact that they have nine defensemen. Trading one of them away would give a little bit of that flexibility that you need. I think if they're going to be bringing in any players, someone's going to be going out. Like like one of the fifty, one of the forty nine contracts on this team is going to be shipped out. So, yeah. Could you imagine if they ship out Eric Gustafson? Plays one game. Everyone's going to remember him for the blunder on the power play, and then they trade him the next day. Hey, it's possible. Like if you ask me, one defenseman who probably is most expendable on that team probably is Eric Gustafson. Yeah, it's the guy that couldn't even crack the top six. The only they they had to use seven defensemen just to get him a chance to play. Well, we're all talking about a guy who averaged twenty minutes a night in Washington this year, put up thirty eight points. Like if a team is looking for power play help, call the Leafs, see what you can get, what, what Eric Gustafson can go for. I'd have no problem with the Leafs just decide, you know what? We don't really like, we'll, we'll definitely trade them away. Like, yeah, give us, give us a, you know, fifth round pick. Take him. Good. Fourth, fifth round pick. Boom. You got yourself a guy who can draft picks. (laughs) Chuck on a, Chuck on a third pair. He could be your seven. He's someone who you could, Work into your power play. Yeah, he's he could be a useful piece. So if there was one player though, and there was one move to be done, I think that that might be it. Like yeah. one of the one of these defensemen probably uh, probably go back out the door. But if if you do recall, like go back and look at how many D men are typically used in a playoff run. Um, the average is nine. So you might need all nine at some point throughout your playoff run. Are they going to play every night? No. But you don't want to get to a situation where you got to call out Mac Hollowell at a game six in the Stanley Cup final, do you? Yeah, probably not. Not not particularly, but he we we've at least seen him play NHL games this year, so it's not like you're just throwing a guy who's never been in the deep end. Well, I think there's a big difference between playing a random game in November and game six of a Stanley Cup final. Let's let's talk about getting out of round one first, Mike, before you bring up Stanley Cup final. Uh, good point. Good point. Good point. I'm just saying. Um, but anyway, it should be a fun day. We'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of it. And um, they got the Canucks coming up on Saturday, so that'll be the first time that we will see the actual roster, and we will know exactly the troops that uh, this team will be going to battle with come postseason. And uh, that we'll we'll know this answer by 3 p.m. later today. The expectation also, I think, is Matt Murray will be activated in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that happens, I suppose. Um, but it sounds as though they're going to roll with these three goaltenders that they have and uh, pray that Matt Murray stays healthy. And if not, guess they have faith in Joe Wall. Played well enough tonight, I guess, to... Uh, to, to earn that trust, but again, similar to Matt Hollowell, what does it look like when the pressure's high in a playoff scenario? That I don't know the question to, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. A couple more hours till the NHL trade deadline. Fun stuff. We'll recap everything on Monday, including the game against the Vancouver Canucks. But that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the 
Locked on these podcasts on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked on Leafs. Leave a like and uh, comment down below on YouTube. Your thoughts on the deadline. Has Kyle Dubas done enough for this team? And are they Stanley Cup contenders? Let us know your thoughts on the work he's done over the course of the last couple of weeks here down below. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with another episode for you guys on Monday. Enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the deadline. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.